Triggered emotions, advice for holiday family time is the topic we will be discussing. Hi, my name is Simon Jacobson, and welcome to our weekly Wednesday program, which, of course, is broadcast now, but available from here on and forever. This program is dedicated in loving memory of Maria Davinki, Malka Chana Bat Shlomo and Rivka, dedicated by David and the Pack family. So may these words serve in her great merit and their family's great merit, the Pack family's merit, all those that will be listening to this, that will be sharing it, which is, of course, a great uh, honor because there's no better way to immortalize a soul, immortalize a legacy, is by connecting it to helping others, to teaching, to learning, and study, especially topics that can help us improve and even transform our lives. A number of years ago, some of you may be aware of this, in the late 90s, 1999, 2000, 2001, I had a weekly radio program every Sunday, 6 to 7 p.m. It was broadcast here in WEVD, was the station. And uh, it was really a very fascinating program. It was a live program with call-ins. And we chose topics that were very, uh, I would say, topics that people usually did not address. One of them, which comes to mind and why I'm mentioning it, it was titled, When Home Doesn't Feel Like Home. It was around Thanksgiving time, the holiday season, where many people go back home, visit family, friends, relatives. So the title was, When Home Doesn't Feel Like Home. And what led me to do that topic was, of course, people I, was, I had personally known who spoke with me, consulted with me, and were discussing their challenges, especially going back home. Some really had difficulty with that. Some dreaded it, even. But I cannot tell you the reaction after that show. First of all, during the program, the live questions that came in were, and you can see the transcript of it. It's on MeaningfulLife.com. The live the questions were so heart-wrenching. Um, and it, was become more, it became even more than I imagined how many people are struck, and it struck me how many people are challenged by this issue of home. You know, I personally grew up in a relatively nurturing home. I mean, no home is perfect, of course. And I never re realized to the extent how this plays a, a role in people's lives. Obviously, over the years, I've come to learn it in many ways. And I remember the reaction. I remember specifically one person calling me who did not know of me, but it was happened to listening to that radio show and told me how difficult it is for him to go to the holidays to the point that he doesn't go any longer. He's ready to risk the, the, the incurring the wrath of his family, you blame him and so on. You're tearing apart the family. But he said it was a very abusive home. And when he goes there, and even thinking about it, the picture that will be taken as if we're all, everything is intact, when in truth it's a completely shattered family, as he put it, was, was literally gave him conniptions. He was not able to sleep at night. That was one of, I remember that reaction. And so I asked him, I said, so what, did you learn anything in the program that can help you? He said, absolutely. You talked about certain key points, which I never thought of. All I was like a victim and I was, for me, this annual, uh, tr the annual torture, whether I go or I don't go, and even if I didn't go, it wasn't like I was free from it. It's just I avoided the toxins of it. But obviously, let's be honest, not everybody has that experience. Many people do have beautiful homes, and they look forward to go home. No one is neutral when it comes to home. That's for sure, no matter what the experience is. Why? Because perhaps more than anything else, our home, our family, triggers emotions, 
Why? Because the experiences we experienced in our early formative and um, formative years, our childhood years, was in our homes. And that remains etched in our psyches forever, for good or for bad. So if you had a good nurturing home, a warm, loving home, that's something that you feel like you go back to your nest. No matter where you are in the world, is a beautiful thing to reconnect. It, uh, you have be- the relationships, love is such a comp- critical component in life. Like oxygen or even water, like a water to a flower, it's a necessity. But if we have the other extreme, and there are many people on the other end of the spectrum, where a lot of home is a, is, a, is a dread going home, and it haunts them because of the, either the conflicting home, the dysfunctionality, the toxins, it could be mother, father, it could be mother and father, it could be the, the whole thing. That, unfortunately, is a very real reality. I'm not discussing in this program only the, the negative one. We'll talk also about the positive one. And I think it's a great opportunity during this time of the se- this, uh, season, this holiday season, when people do have to deal with going home or not going home, but they deal with it, to really look at, give us an opportunity to probe and explore deeper our relationship with our homes and our families, which really reflects on our relationship with ourselves and how it shaped us, how, it's deter- how it has defined our, our lives up till now. And perhaps when you can bro- dig deeper, you can actually take more control of your life. So whether you're coming from a home that is a beautiful home, to learn how to maximize that and turning it into even more love and more nurturing and more, um, uh, more health and growth, and if it's a situation where, God forbid, you're coming from a home that is a, a dysfunctional home, a broken home, a home you don't want to go back to, and even if you go, it's with clenched teeth and uh, like almost forced, like uh, so on. So how to, how to grow from that as well, not to be such a victim and not to be so impacted, to immunize yourself and actually use this as an opportunity to grow and figure out what it is that you can do to not just protect yourself from these negative influences, but actually to become a stronger person. That's the objective of this program right now, this class. And um, I'll do my best to try to live up to that promise. Because as I said, whoever we are, we can use this. Even if you live in a very, you could say, a healthy life and you feel loved and you are loving and there's nurturing going on, we all know life goes through vicissitudes, there's ups and downs. And it's important to not just take that for granted, even if you have it. Even if it's going really well, there's always ways to make it thrive more because that's what a healthy person does. They don't just stay stable and just maintain the status quo. You grow. Loving Love is growth as well. And of course, if you're dealing with a situation, the other end of the spectrum, which is where you're dealing with the real difficulty, that clearly compels us to address it. Now, I would given is that many people live perhaps in between with mixed feelings. They have many good memories and very fond and warm memories, and they also have some nightmares, which is also uh, not that uncommon. I don't want to lock this into one particular situation or scenario. So we're going to cover it all because the, what we need to, because it affects us all, we need to address really, and this is where let's, the beginning point is, what is a home? What is a home? What's the nature of a home? Why is it so important? And what do we do? What, what, what are homes provides for us, and what do we do when it doesn't provide what it was supposed to provide? So just as supporting material, if you wish, I have a chapter, Home and Family, in Toward a Meaningful Life. It's actually a chapter on, on, on virtually every topic, but, uh, but this, there's, a, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a chapter on this topic, 
And whatever I say here is complemented by what's written there. Obviously, I'm taking this further than what's written there. I'm not just reading from the chapter. <clears throat> so they uh, can come, but it's a great chapter to go to because it'll, it'll carry, it'll, it'll contain the main key points because that's always the most important thing to do, which is a theme, which is a, a methodology that I've, I really employ all the time. And that is not just to talk about the symptoms, but the root. What is a home? Because often, when we don't get to the beginning, we don't go back to the root, what is a home and what does it do for us and why do we need it, then you begin somewhere middle, you end up not really having a comprehensive solution, a comprehensive perspective, I would say, and a comprehensive solution. So let's start with a Talmudic statement that says, a person is not a person without a home. The actual expression is without land. But to explain, the commentaries explain, that means a, a land upon which to build a home. It says that a person is not a person. Not just not complete. Not just missing something, missing something vital. But not a complete, not a person. Which of course means, not that you don't live, exist, but the, the, what makes a human being a human being is a home. Simply put, it's the dignity of the nest, the hearth, where a human being, each one of us, deserves to be in a place that is comfortable, that's nurturing, that's loving, that protects us from the elements and from any other hostile forces, a place you can call home. No place like home. You kick off your shoes, and you can just be yourself. You don't have to have your defenses up. You know you're unconditionally loved. Now, this is not just exclusive to humans, mind you. Even though there are animals, and there are in the animal kingdom that don't have a nest, a physical nest, but they all have some form of nurturing, especially in the early stages. There are, given some animals that right after birth, there's a separation. But remember, that, that new offspring was also carried in pregnancy in its mother's womb, even in animals. So there is always a nurturing element. But a nest is a very good example for a bird, a nest. What would be a bird without a nest? They wouldn't have that place. First of all, a bird when it was still fledgling and it's just born cannot fly yet. So it needs a place to be where it can be protected. And this is the place where the mother and the father take care of the bird, each species in its own way. They hunt and they bring back food for their little, little chicks or their little, whatever you call them, little birdies. And um, uh, you find today online you have these 24-7 cameras that actually you see the development of eagle nests and hawks and other, and other birds. It's fascinating to see. Uh, obviously, the, the events don't happen always quickly, but there are highlights and milestones when you see the development of these birds. But the nest, you see, provides a comfort. It provides a protection, a haven, an oasis, if you wish. Mere definition, nest. I'm being nested in something, being, feeling, being engulfed, being covered, being protected. So that's a nest. And it's not just birds. Obviously, there are nests. Fish, fish have nests. There are different creatures in nests, but it's a good example to describe the connection that you develop in that nest. So number one, the psyche of the child growing up in a home, in a healthy home, provides it comfort, provides it security. In a way, you can say the mother's womb is a nest, and it's actually the ultimate nest, because there the child in its development, the nine months of development, I'm going back to human beings now, and the truth would be with any type of uh, womb-like experience, is completely protected, does, it eats what its mother eats, it breathes its mother's breath, and everything is taken care of. 
It's fascinating. Even though there are, God forbid, anomalies and so on, but overall, a child in nine months even has an immunity to diseases and others, everything being protected by its mother. So in a sense, you can say our psyches began nine months completely immersed in the embryonic fluids, literally like, like immersed in, underwater, completely protected. What does that do for the psyche of a human being? It means you're loved unconditionally. You're protected unconditionally. The goal, of course, is to empower the, the psyche, to empower that individual fetus as it's developing, that when once it emerges, it will, it will continue to be nurtured, but now as it becomes an independent entity, an independent life, and you cut the umbilical cord, it has had a head start of true nurturing. Now that continues, obviously now outside the womb, where the mother and father provide the crib, the bedroom, the environment, the home, the food, the, the sustenance, and of course the love. Now it's already something that needs the parents' actions. It's interesting, the nine months, no matter how dysfunctional a mother is, God made it in a way that the womb will, will uh, protect and will sustain and nurture the child. Now, of course, there are exceptions. God, I don't even want to mention it, but a pregnant mother who may take uh, substances that are destructive for, the, for herself and the fetus and other behavior that can be destructive. So, of course, we can do, do the damage. But, even if, but, but barring that... Even if you don't know how to nurture a child, it's interesting, the nine months, you don't need to know anything. All you need to do is carry that child. And it's already built up in the biological system that that child will be nurtured in its initial nest. You can, all call, you can call its initial home the womb. And I'm specifically beginning there. Because what we replicate when the child leaves the womb is the womb. But now it requires more. It requires the parents to cooperate. Here they can't just say, you know what, we'll just leave the child in a, and God forbid abandon the child or not be there or be absentee. No. The child needs now, you need, it's not automatic that the mother, through her eating and her drinking and her behavior, automatically sustain the child. Now there has to be the effort. So now they, the child has become a separate entity and now you build the home for it. You can say the womb is God building a womb and a home and we just make sure not to do anything destructive. Now we build a home. And the home means not just the general home, also the specific home for this child, that environment that the child feels welcomed. Now you can say a child at that point is not aware, is not conscious, can't say thank you, does not communicate. Right, but even in the womb, the child is being developed. How do we know what impact our behavior is having? And I would submit without even question that whatever happens in those early years, formative years, is going to leave an indelible impression in the psyche of the child forever and ever. So it makes no difference whether the child can communicate it, whether we know the child is understanding it or not. It may not even be conscious. But something is happening. It's like you're watering the flower. You are protecting, you're nurturing. And that's what's required. And we're beginning, of course, talking about the healthy home. So what is a home? A home is a necessity. Like, like water to a flower, a home is to a human being. It provides essential sustenance. And sustenance here doesn't just mean food and drink and oxygen. It means the sustenance of love, of acceptance, of validation, of a vote of confidence that is as necessary for a child's growth and development as even the food they eat and, and, and the water they drink. Because what is it doing? It's saying you matter. You're valuable. You deserve a home. You deserve to be protected. And the home is a physical entity. It's not just words. What is the contrast? You see, for example, a homeless person. It breaks your heart. Breaks my heart, at least. 
every time you see it, it's like well, something about it that really is disturbing. Because you say, where's their family? Why is their mother and father not coming looking for this human being? Why are they living in, the, in a shelter? Why are they living on a street, on a cardboard box, freezing nights, boiling heat? Why? Because there's something about a human being that needs its dignity, is that it's loved, and that love is expressed in a home. That's what a home is. So that's why the Talmud says, in Odin Bayis, a person is not a person without a home. It doesn't even say a complete person, even though that's what it means. But it's not a person because a person needs that type of nesting environment, that nest that is nurturing, loving. And what does it do for the human being? It gives you the confidence. When you don't have it, let's just go to the other extreme, someone that does not have that nest, they're always second-guessing themselves. They're always wondering, do I deserve love? Am I valuable enough? It can even lead to loathing yourself. And you begin to undermine your own self because you don't feel you deserve. You don't feel that, you, that you're not felt the dignity. You've not felt that confidence, that self-esteem that we know is so vital to everything that we accomplish in life. So then we look for other ways to get that love, healthy or unhealthy. I'm not really going to go there because it's not so much the topic. I'm talking, obviously, what a home is. So that's what a home is in brief. Now, of course, when that home is shattered in any way, of mild form or extreme form, a vital lifeline is severed. A vital lifeline has been compromised. And just like a lifeline, your oxygen, something is not being fed to this, to this child. That sense of, of feeling, feeling wanted, feeling accepted, feeling loved unconditionally has been severed. Now, there are many forms of a home being broken. It can be literally a broken home, a divorce, a loss, a death, dysfunctionality, abuse, absenteeism. There are milder forms of it. There's more extreme forms. However you twist it, it is not what it's meant to be. It would be the equivalent, again, I don't like repeating horrendous scenarios, that the womb suddenly turns on the child. Or the womb says, no, I'm not available for you today. What is a fetus supposed to go? It's all it has. And for a young child, even after birth, it also it has nowhere to go. So one of the reasons is that it's hard for us adults to always fathom. Why is it that a child is being hurt in the home? Why don't they just leave? That's what an adult would do. First of all, some adults wouldn't do that either. We get addicted sometimes to our abusers. Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome and other stuff like that. But for a child, it's even more acute. Because a child does not know of a world outside of its home. That's the interesting thing. At that stage, when it needs the nest most, before it ventures out as an independent entity and uh, adult, it knows nothing else but its nest. For a child walking out the door of the house like walking off the earth, it's not an option. That's why it's so devastating, God forbid, when the home becomes a war zone. Because it's the only thing a child has doesn't have an alternative. As adults, we also have the child, but an adult can at least say, you know what, this is toxic, I'm out of here. A child doesn't have the out of here. Which also tells us on the positive end, what a home does when it's going well. Obviously, it's not as apparent because you know, we know health doesn't feel like anything. We take it for granted. What is a good home? A good home is a place the child doesn't think about going out, doesn't feel it has to go because it has what it needs. 
a nurturing, a loving, a acceptance, a validation, an encouragement to think, to imagine, to explore, even a child crawling around the house. They feel that, that, that uh, free abandon. The right to explore, the right to do whatever it feels it could do. So of course, obviously we need to protect the child, shouldn't hurt itself. But that is so much part of the human being, to spread your wings. And you have a place that allows you to do it, encourages you to do it. And when the opposite happens, there's nowhere to turn. That's why it's so devastating. That's why it's so horrible. Because that's the only thing a child has. That's its nest. That's its comfort zone. That's its nurturing. That's its womb. It's like a fish in water. A fish doesn't have an option to leave the water. Not because just the water sustains. It's its, it's life. It's, it's, it's everything for the fish. That's the child at home. So as an, it's not an aside, but just as an immediate lesson, just alone, if you're listening to this, you're a parent. Or well, one day will be a parent. Never forget that. The home for your child is the only thing they have. You can't expect and say, you know what? They'll figure it out. Yeah, they maybe could figure it out, but it's going to be a lot more difficult, a lot more painful. Because the nest was not given to them. It's like pulling the rug from out from someone where you built security blanket. You know what bed you're going to sleep in. You know you expect certain things and then suddenly that stops. For a child, that's a tremendous trauma. Even moving, by the way. Even in a healthy home, moving. Leaving the school, leaving the routines. Children thrive on routines because it's like that nest. The birds know what time they'll be fed. They know the parent will come back. And children thrive on that. With all their exploration, they thrive on that consistency. So keep that in mind, how vital that is. And God forbid, when that's missing, what it does, it creates the insecurities that are the root of so many of our troubles and problems. The root, I'm talking about the root. Because once it goes beyond that into symptoms, who knows where it can go. So to sum up, a home is not just some optional entity. A home is what you can say goes hand in hand with the essence of what life is all about. You can put it this way. Life is the human being. The home is where that human being rests, where it dwells, its domain. Everything needs a domain. We talk about energy in a container. Everything needs a container. And this is a warm container, an invi- a inviting one, a welcoming one, a nurturing one, a loving one. That's what a home is. So now let's go to the topic. Now we're adults. If we had that nurturing element, of course, the most beautiful thing to go back to the home of your parents, to go back to the place that you grew up, that there was so much laughter and fun and acceptance and all the little details that shape who we are without even spelling it all out, things that we don't even remember. We just, we know that there's something special about it. So you think of this season as an opportunity to actually maximize that. Don't take it for granted. You're going home for the, the holiday. You're going home for a day or two. Or you're going for a weekend or for a month or whatever it may be. Pay attention. Think about it. And maybe even speak about it. Maybe even thank your family. Thank your parents. Thank those that made that environment. Don't take it for granted. And you'll be surprised. That home is actually can feed you even once you've left it. Even if you're an adult. Even if you're 80 years old. It's interesting. Jewish custom... Passover Seder, when they say Manishtana, they ask the four questions. They say, Father, Tate, my father, I'm going to ask you the four questions. Even adults, even adults that are 80, 90 years old say that. Why? Because there's something about my father. My father is still my father. My mother is still my mother. 
My siblings are my siblings. My home is still my home. Yes, I've built another home. Maybe very far away physically. But I've never left my nest in a way. And I mean this in a positive way. I mean, I don't mean that in a way we're, de- we're dependent and we still have never matured. I'm talking about as a mature adult, you appreciate your roots. As far as your, as high as your tree has grown and as many fruits that it has borne, you still remember those roots and those roots are actually still sustain you. They gave you the confidence and the strength to build a mature, independent life. That's the beauty. That's what really parents want. They don't want their children to continue to be attached to them like, like babies. So use this opportunity. So going home for a holiday is not just a, an aside. As a matter of fact, when we talk about, let's say, the Jewish holidays, it all originates from the three major holidays, which was Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. As the, and the Bible says, it's a mitzvah, the time of the temple. It's called Aliyah Laregel which literally means to make a pilgrimage. Aliyah Regal means to take your legs and elevate yourself. Wherever Jews lived, they would travel for the holiday to the temple in Jerusalem because this was their original spiritual home. So now they're fulfilling their mission wherever they may be because the mission is to transform this material world, the hostile world. But that doesn't mean we forget our homes and we go there three times a year. So essentially a holiday is returning to home. Spiritual home. As a matter of fact, when we say the words in the Mishkan, Mishkan is the, the Hebrew name for the sanctuary, the temple. So God says to Moses, I will meet you there. One of the names for a holiday is Moad, a meeting point, a meeting point in time. At this point in time, we will meet there. And that meeting point is like the home. We will meet at our, at our home. It creates a sense of, first of all, the wish to meet you, but it's also an intimacy. We will meet there. We will have an encounter. We will connect. We will bond in a particular place. And it's interesting, if you talk about it, we're talking already on the cosmic level, that the fundamental reason, among the, all the reasons given by the different uh, scholars and mystics and so on, the ultimate reason why God created the universe was what? He desired a home. A home. So even on a divine level, however we explain it, there's a need a need that he chose, obviously. Not a need like we need it. That's a necessity. Chose to have a home. Wanted to have a home where? In the lowest of worlds, but a home. Not just a temporary re- residence. Not just passing through. Not just as a tourist. That this darkest of worlds should become so conducive to spiritual energy and to the divine that it's like a home. Comfortable. And from there evolves that actual fundamental nature in the human being that we're not complete without a home. We too need a place that we have built to protect. In that hostile world, we've created a comfortable, warm environment, a beautiful home, an illuminating one, a loving one. The real, all the cardinal, all the real ingredients and the, and the cornerstone that makes a home a home. So when you think of it that way, then this is a season that's why we go home, not just to see our parents and our families, but also because there's something about reconnecting for a holiday to really be complete. You really want to connect to your spiritual roots. You want to be able to come back to the places that were comfortable, that shaped you, that defined you. Now that is, of course, the best case scenario. And there too, as I said, it takes work. So use the season to actually appreciate, build upon, grow, figure out new ways to bond, 
Maybe new ways for you to build your home, wherever you may be. But then comes the second half. The people who were deprived, tragically, of this nurturing nest. And they don't want to go back there. Why? Because why would they go back there? It didn't provide anything for them. On the contrary, it's only painful. So what should people like that do? So firstly, we always have to talk case by case. There's no one size fits all. Some people, and I can say, going back to remember when I did that program, and it's a topic I've talked about many different, gave lectures on. I never give anyone advice that just fits for everyone. I always try to figure out how much resistance you have. There could be situations where it could be more detrimental than helpful. And maybe you still do need to protect yourself, and maybe that's not a good, thing, a good idea to go back home, especially if there's unresolved issues and no closure. But that's only a stepping stone. Right now, you need to get out of the line of fire. So there's no point for you to go back into the line of fire. But the goal is not to remain there, because even if you don't go, it's still haunting you. You know, there's two ways that a dysfunctional situation can affect you. One is that you keep going back to it, and others you keep running away from it. That also means you're still attached. You're just expressing it by not going there. It's not neutral. What you want to grow and build into to become a self-sustained individual that you have the confidence that you can even go back to where the fire started, where the line of fire, and not just not be hurt, but actually grow through it, which is what we're going to discuss now. But again, with a big qualification, everybody in their state, there are people that may need more time to first build up their own arsenal, their own reservoir of confidence and strength before they encounter and confront an abuser. And that, I'm not even saying that's what you have to do, confront. I just made that as an example. Even if you're going to, you first have to build the strength. You can't just do it or else you can get very hurt. But that's the point. The point is, you don't want to live your life running away from something. Not just not running to it. Many people run, and that's part of their, their dependency. They're dependent almost on the evil that has hurt them. And, they are too, and they're addicted to it. They're addicted and connected, and they feel too, don't have the strength to say no, basically. Pleasers, etc. But there's the other extreme, where you have the strength to break away, but you need to break away. And you cannot engage. So we're going to talk about that. Because remember, you still need a home. It's true, your parents, and let's say your immediate family, did not provide it for you. And I'm talking now the worst of scenario. We'll get to the middle one shortly. You still need a home somewhere. Have you built your own? That's a very important question. If you have built your own, and it's a healthy home, so obviously that's the place that you should get your primary sustenance. But a holiday comes, and if the resistance is so strong, which I would submit is probably because you have not built a home, so you still have that void, because if you have built one, it'll give you the strength. You can go back, then you can then much more confidence to go back to a dysfunctional situation and not be affected because you always have your home to go back to. You're the new home that you built. So, but I don't want to speculate or presume anything. So let's talk about the different scenarios. If a person indeed, out of strength, not out of weakness, feels they need to stay away for some reason, so maybe that's what you need to do. There are, however, scenarios that it could be in a limited way. You go well-prepared, very deliberate, anticipating, preempting, knowing you're going into a war zone. You're going to a place that has hurt you. Now, this is also important. Are they, is this still a hurtful place? Maybe some people have healed a bit. Maybe things, people have matured. Let's assume it's the same hurtful place. So you can go to a place like that if you prepare yourself well 
and you anticipate, you know your triggers, you know what can hurt you, and you keep it very well balanced, and maybe with a limited amount of time, you go with your family, nice courtesy. It is, it is doable. Again, it has to be established that it's not hurting you. If it's hurting you and you're going out of weakness, because you can't say no, or because they still have a hold on you, or because they're blackmailing you with money or other reasons. But out of strength, there are ways to limit exposure. It's all about you controlling it, because that's, remember, one of the key things what makes for what hurts a child is control was taken away from us. Yeah. It means, I, here's my home. I lived in my home. I know what bed I'm sleeping in. I know what I can rely on, what I can depend on. And then something changed that. So what happens is your control was taken away and you can't do anything about it. Or at least you think you can't as a child. So as an adult, that lack of control is still haunting you. So you may resolve it by just simply not going there. So I'm suggesting is if you think about it and done with help and should always done with someone helping you, holding your hand, talking through, because you don't want to do this on your own because it could be very, you could end up getting hurt, is that there is a scenario where you go very deliberately and you are actually going to realize you can go back to the lion's den and have control. Go there and know you're not anyone's victim, even the abusers. Again, I keep qualifying because I don't want anyone to get the wrong message here. I'm not suggesting you throw yourself in cold turkey and that type of scenario. Maybe you may be too fragile. You may be not defensive. Don't have your defenses, too vulnerable. You don't want to get hurt. But with the right guidance, there is a scenario, scenario where it could be slowly... You regain control by saying, I can go, and I'm not going to be, allow them to hurt me. The ultimate goal is that you rebuild your home for yourself, wherever you are, that which you did not have, and then you call the shots. Then you can go anywhere you want to go. Even if you've been hurt, you can go and say, you know, I'm going, and uh, I'm, I'm immune. It takes work. I'm not suggesting that comes easily. But there is that possibility. And that's what this season, as well as an opportunity. So even if somebody was hurt, let's say, by Jerusalem, that doesn't mean they shouldn't make the pilgrimage. Make the pilgrimage, do it in a very paced way so you don't get yourself hurt, and allow the experience to actually help you grow. Help you say, you know what? This is what a home is, and I've been deprived. And I'm going now to the place where I was deprived, but I know what a home is now. And I'm going to see, is there anything I can salvage? Is there anything that I can learn from? And not naively and idealistic thinking you can take on the world and you can take on even people who've hurt you. It's not my attention. Attention is to slowly give you back control. And that with the right guidance can be done and this is a perfect season to do so. So you're not playing the victim. You're not saying, okay, you know what, I'm not going. You're able to enter the zone, that zone, that battle zone, and do something about it. Now, Again, with a big qualification, that means you can do something and not be hurt again. Because with a very aggressive father, aggressive mother, or one or the other, or both, as they get older, sometimes they get worse. So you have to be careful to know what, what you can and what you can do. So it's a lot about gauging yourself and assessing what you're capable of. Now, for most people, it's not that extreme. It's mixed feelings. Some of us have a good relationship with some siblings, not with others. Maybe with our fathers we may have a good relationship, or with our mothers, yes, and the other one not. So when you have them mixed, so definitely it relieves some of the pressure, because here again, go ahead with, don't just end up going there for the party, or for a weekend, or for a Shabbat, or whatever it may be, or for Hanukkah, or for other holiday. 
Go with deliberately thinking, even making notes. I'm going to go, and I can assume my mother's going to say this, and my father that, and try to focus on the positives, but you are controlling the narrative. You have to control the narrative. Because children can do not control the narrative, and they don't have the capacity to. That's why it's so hurtful. Because children are on the receiving end. They're being shaped. They don't shape. And they don't have that independent consciousness yet to take control of the narrative. So they are, just like in the womb, they're protected there automatically. And when they're young age, formative years, and even their late early years, it's the parents that are really calling the shots. But now you're an adult. You still may be emotionally a child, but you're an adult. And now you have the opportunity to take control of the narrative. So that's in any case, but especially when there's mixed feelings and there's different combinations. So the holiday season can actually become an opportunity for all of us for growth, no matter what situation you have, whether the home feels like home or feel, does not feel like home, or something in between, it's in your hands. It's a very, I would even say, a very um, uh, exciting venture, if you think about it. Bold, adventure, and adventure even. Because you're learning about yourself. You're remembering what the home meant for you, what it didn't mean. You have now have a juxtaposed against the backdrop of what a really healthy home should be. And that's vital in this whole picture. That's why I began with that. It's like you want to know what the healthy lungs look like before you address the unhealthy lungs. Like when you see screens when x-rays are taken. Same thing here. You want to know what a healthy home is. And then you say, you know what? Juxtaposed over that healthy home. This home is far from that or not so far or closer. That's why it's so important to understand what a healthy home is. And what it means for you and nurturing you and the love and all that it provides. Because then you can much better plan and strategize how to deal with the home you're going to, whether it's the home of your parents or your in-laws, which is the same story sometimes. And, of course, I have to mention your relationship with your spouse. Often the problem could be you are fine or your spouse has a problem with that home, or the other way around, or both. So it's important also to understand the partnership that you have. Because together with the expression that a human is not human without a home, we're also not human without the soulmate. It's part of it, because that now is also part of the nurturing. Obviously, a soulmate without a home is missing something, and a home without a soulmate is missing something, but it's part and parcel. So this, of course, brings us, can you have a conversation with your spouse, with your significant other? Sometimes they're much more hurt than you are. Sometimes they don't understand what your issues are. You're more hurt than they are. So that's a vital component as well because when you have that partnership, then you're also not dealing with the pressures coming. This is often the case. People say, you know what, I go there and I have to look at my spouse, whether she or he approves, and then I look at my parents and whether they approve, I'm basically uh, juggling and then what's like walking in a minefield on a uh, tightrope, all the analogies. So it's the more allies, basically, you can build up, starting with your own spouse, starting even with your own family, meaning maybe your own children, adult children, that helps build the approach to take to this. So it becomes a really interesting experience. We're going home, we're not just, okay, it's nice, we're going home, we're going to have mom's dinner, her favorite, your, your favorite recipes, and so on. You're actually turning it into a spiritual journey. Spiritual journey. That's a microcosm of the purpose of why we're here. To build a comfortable spiritual home. In what? in a materially hostile environment. And when I say hostile, hostile doesn't always mean an enemy that's shooting at you. 
It's just materialism by definition. It's ego. It's self-worship. Self-interest is hostile. It's hostile to comfort. When you have to go to work and it's a cutthroat or not so cutthroat, you're always competing. Who's going to get favor? And so on. That's the world in which we live. That's not very nurturing. That means you've got to put up your, make sure you, you have, you're aggressive, make sure you protect your interests. Because dog eats dog. Survival of the fittest. A home is the antithesis of that. A home is where there's no survival of the fittest because there's no battle, there's no war. Everybody is fit and everybody's comfortable. You come home, you're not at war with anyone in the healthy situation. But the objective is that even in a world that is hostile to build a home from it. That's why this journey, whatever your home is like, is a journey. It's part of your spiritual odyssey. The odyssey to go to the environment that you grew up in, the one where you laid your roots or the roots were developed, that allowed you to then use that as a springboard to go build your life. If it's healthy, then use it to the fullest. If it's not healthy, there's ways to, as I said, to plan around it and see what you can do and learn from it. And in many ways, actually, the unhealthy home can teach you even more because you see what is not, what is wrong. And what's wrong, you're trying to build something that does not, that is not what you had. That can be a very strong guide. In other words, there's two ways that we can uh, learn what should, we should be doing with our lives that's healthy. One is by having healthy role models, but sometimes unhealthy role models. I know it sounds weird. They're not role models. But why is it? Because you learn what not to do. Like you see someone that, uh, that in your life, and you see the way they behave, and you say, you know what, this is a lesson to me what not to do. This is also controlling the narrative. So however you twist and turn it, the journey home, whether it's in this holiday season or other holiday seasons or just sometime in the year, look at it as a, one of the gifts. People are always looking for tools to grow. This is how you grow. So instead of it just letting controlling you, okay, I'm going home, I feel dreaded or I feel happy, that's like it, that is that you are basically going along with whatever that experience is. No, you be proactive. You initiate the experience. And you initiate in a way that will work for you, that will make you grow, that will nurture you, that will help you access deeper resources. Because that brings me back to the beginning of the discussion, what a home really does. Because when you have that comfort, when you have that nurturing, when you have that validation, you know what happens. Besides the fact that you build self-confidence and self-esteem, you feel you can achieve anything you set your mind to, another thing happens. You have the opportunity to explore your inner strengths. When you're in a war zone, and your father's opening the door, and you know he may be drunk, or your mother, you don't know where she is, and, she, and, and it's unpredictable, you know where your resources are going? Your resources are becoming very sensitive antennae. You pick up every sound because you're always like in a very dangerous zone, and you need to make sure that you're safe. Your resources are going of how can you please that person and make sure you get what you need. You don't have the time and the luxury to really explore that, who you really are. You're constantly on the defense. So it's like playing defense all your life. The home, what it provides is the comfort that you can explore offense. What am I good at? Not just how do I protect myself. Which is when war, in the time of war, you're looking for ways to fight the war. But peace is not just the absence of war. Peace is also the opportunity where you're at calm state, where you're nurtured, where you're comfortable, that you know what, you can explore what you're capable of. So that is this home experience, the home odyssey, the home journey that I'm talking about. 
it's a spiritual journey, to go to a place to find that you control the narrative and you can control your destiny and you can focus on then as you build that beautiful home to really focus on building and growing instead of just protecting and hiding. Very different energy. And we only have that much energy in our mind, in our lives. It's the same thing when you tell people, you know, you're letting someone who said something insulted you or said something or did something to you to control your most valuable real estate, your mind. Your mind is consumed with it. They now own you. So besides the abuse, whatever they did, they continue to haunt you because they continue to occupy space inside of you. What you want to achieve is take control of your life. Where you control what's in your mind, not someone, not, not a perpetrator. So things have happened. We're not saying you have to ignore it, but you can't let it define you. Your identity is not, def- your identity is not defined by those that hurt you. We could be hurt, but it doesn't mean you're a hurt person. Your identity is yours. That's what the home is supposed to cultivate. And if it hasn't, you need to build it. You need to build an environment where you actually can feel nurtured, feel comfortable, feel that you can express yourself. Your voice can be spoken. Because yet another symptom of an unhealthy home is the silencing. Not just invalidation, meaning lack of validation, I should say, but also silencing. Your opinion doesn't matter. Your feelings don't matter. You're told things that are completely off the wall. You feel hurt. You say, no, you're not hurt. You want to cry? Only babies cry. Someone hurt you, someone abused you? No, it's not true. It's your fault. What happens there is you're silenced. So your natural instincts, your natural instincts to know what's right and wrong are questioned. Then you start questioning yourself. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm always wrong. All that needs to be eliminated. Now, we can't do it overnight. That's why the journey home is an opportunity, one way or the other, opportunity either by learning from it and growing it or learning what not to do or learning how to navigate. And you get control when you navigate. So a great swimmer or a great sprinter or runner is not, is not just running and they know how to run a clear path. When they see a hurdle, they know how to go around it. So the hurdles actually help them help build their momentum, help build their forward thrust, help build them their growth. That's the point. So whatever it is that comes your way, whether it's a positive, you allow that to thrust you to new heights. And if it's a negative, it's a hurdle for you to jump over and become stronger in the process, stronger in the broken places. All this is the opportunity what a home provides, especially in this season. So though we've spoken about this topic, as I mentioned the radio show and other times, this angle I have not really fully explored. But this is a great time to talk about it as we enter the holiday season, or we've already entered it. Some begin end of November, Thanksgiving. And it's also illuminating and refreshing that things that we take for granted, you know, okay, at the end of the year, we always go visit my family, or we send gifts, or we do things, gift season, to turn it into actually a therapeutic experience, a growthful experience. An experience that allows you to explore deeper parts of yourself, grow, become a more nurtured and nurturing person, and build love in your life. Access these deeper resources, because that's time has come. How much do we have inside of us that's waiting to be released? So sad when you think about it. The voice that has not sung its song yet. But the positive side is you're always capable of doing it. And the time is now. If you're hearing this for the first time, the time is now. 
take the bull by the horns, make a resolution. There's no greater gift than being able to express yourself, than being able to access, being able to, to uh, actualize your great potential. And that's what we're here for, the Meaningful Life Center, as its name suggests, to help bring meaning to life, purpose to life, to discover your personal mission, your indispensable mission. No matter what happened in your life that has maybe put it, hidden it undercover, or you've gone undercover, the fears, the insecurities, it's always waiting to be released. You just need to find the right time, the right people that support you. So please see us as friends in that journey. We all need each other to lean on. But not just to lean on, but also to be empowered by. And going back to your life and discovering those strengths, those new strengths, or you could say those strengths that were there all the time but you were not aware of. That's what we're here for. So as we go into this holiday season, I wish everybody to use this opportunity in the fullest possible way to become greater people. And please access our resources. They're plentiful at MeaningfulLife.com and share, like, help support us. The end of the year is a good time to send a donation, which is tax deductible. People making their tax deductible for the taxes. This is a great time, so please be generous. We survive on your gifts and your support. And we hopefully give you in return as much or even more the gift of life, the gift, the meaning of life. Many people have asked what kind of gift they can give. So one simple recommendation toward a meaningful life is a, a, a guaranteed gift that will give forever to the person you give that with. It covers literally every topic on, in life. And I assure you that whoever gets that gift will thank you. We've seen its effect in the past and have no question that it will continue to have that impact. So check it out. We offered this gift. We can do gift wrapping and so on. So please use this opportunity. And uh, I know it sounds like some type of like overt uh, plug, but I don't see it as a plug because I do think that book can be a great gift. I myself wrote it, so I know I'm subjective, but I do believe it has in it real tools and methodology that can change your life. And I've seen it at work. It's not my ideas, teachings that I heard from my teacher, from my teachers. It's the wisdom of the ages and the sages that allows us to really empower us, whether it's home that we talked about now or other topics that, that cover the spectrum of life. And that's what we're here at the Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. I want to thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for allowing me into your hearts and souls, into your lives. And uh, please see us as partners. So every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m., we are here. And uh, please take advantage of it. it. All these programs are available on your favorite uh, podcast platforms, on Spotify, on Instagram, on, on Facebook, etc. So please utilize all the, all the, all the ways these this teachings and these ideas are presented and disseminated. And until next week, everyone be blessed. It's always an honor and pleasure to speak with you. Thank you.